You're listening to Thrive, your agency resource, the only podcast of its kind for creative, media, and technology leaders who are ready to dive deeper into consciousness, leadership, and agency growth. I'm your host, Kelly Campbell. This year, Thrive is brought to you by E2M Solutions, a trusted white label partner to hundreds of digital agencies across the globe. Visit e2msolutions.com forward slash thrive today. Welcome back to another episode of Thrive. So often in the agency world, we are keeping tabs on our competitors and even trying to one-up each other. Admit it, you've done it, I've done it, we've all done it. But what if we leaned into the conscious leadership aspect of collaboration, even with those who are technically vying for the same new business that we are? Well, today I'm joined by CEO of Tech Pro Marketing and Ulistic, Nate Friedman, who is devoted to helping MSP owners generate stronger leads and create more robust sales pipelines. Today, we're going to talk specifically about collaborating with competitors. Nate, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited for this conversation. Thank you, Kelly. I'm a big fan of the podcast, love everything you're doing, and really honored to be here. Wow. Thank you. Well, to get started, I would love it if you shared a little bit about your personal journey, agency ownership, and where your agencies, plural, are now. Great. I think for me, I started where a lot of people did, where just kind of making websites in the 90s (laughs) and being good at that. So um, my first job in high school in 1996, I was working at a computer repair shop. Part of that was developing HTML website pages. And I think there's probably more people that are going to go along with this as well. I got into affiliate marketing back in the day and I was really interested in internet marketing. I was selling Adboso photo retrieval, like a photo recovery software tool, like the early 2000s and did some SEO consulting on Odesk uh, before it became Upwork and just kind of freelancer starting things and, um, you know, going along my journey. I always had it as a little bit of a side hustle throughout college, after college, my first few jobs. And then about eight years ago, nine years ago, I decided to do it full time. I had some life goals that I wanted to accomplish. One of them was going to Taiwan when my children were in preschool so that they'd be able to um, connect with my in-laws and things like that. My wife is originally from Taiwan and we wanted to have that experience. So I knew that I needed to switch to something that was going to allow me to work from home. And I know there's a lot more work from home jobs now, but this was kind of my thing already. And I was like, how can I make affiliate marketing a a full-time deal in 2012? I don't know if that fully happened, but I did end up working and starting an agency. I was a generalist agent see kind of doing okay from about 2005 to 2017. In 2017, I really, really worked hard to niche down, build a authority inside of a single market. And I know a lot of agency owners are trying to do something similar. For me, I went through all my customer base and said, well, which of these customers are really great that I'm going to be able to work with? The first niche that I started working in was um, Salesforce and Pardot implementations. I found for me, I was such an anti-corporate person that working in these large accounts was just like, not that they're bad people, there's anything wrong with corporate. I actually have more respect for it now that I'm a little older and I understand it better. But back then I was just out of my league talking with people that were working at these large companies where I'm kind of this at-home internet marketer. Then I went and worked with vending machine companies. I even had a couple of articles published in the um, vending machine newspaper called the Vending Times, but found that with that market, it was just a little bit too mom and pop. And these guys really couldn't afford marketing. Finally, just my third attempt and I 
had one customer that was something called an MSP, a managed IT services provider. At that time, I didn't know what an MSP was. Even though I'd worked at a computer repair shop in high school, the terms had changed since then. And basically an MSP, if you guys want to know, it's an outsourced IT company. So for digital agencies, I think we usually handle our IT in-house. We're all pretty well-versed on G Suite and all of our SaaS tools, Slack. We kind of know how to set up Zapier integrations. But for a lot of traditional businesses, what they do is they're older, you know, these businesses have been around longer. They may have like a line of business software that runs off of a server. Everyone at the company has a laptop. And I think if you've, a lot of the listeners, I'm sure had jobs before they started their own agency. And this is kind of how traditional businesses operate. In those businesses, you either have an internal IT person to manage everything, or you work with an MSP. In 2017, I started only focusing on working with MSPs. I started a brand new company and kind of burnt down the bridge to everything I'd been doing before. And I dove right in. I started Tech Pro Marketing, where we had the goal of helping MSPs generate leads through LinkedIn. I was speaking with one of my one of my mentors, gentleman named Jake Jorgovan. He's awesome. He gave me a great piece of advice. He said, Nate, if you only focus on LinkedIn, you might just be limiting your potential. And then you're also controlled by the platform. What if you set the goal of helping MSPs, you know, like you said, win stronger leads, build a robust sales pipeline? And I did. And I think for me, the really challenging part was that is like, well, I kind of understand how to use LinkedIn to generate leads. That's my thing. I'm a digital marketer. I don't really know if I can help MSPs fill their sales pipeline. I don't know if I can help them win stronger leads. Like, I don't even know how to do that. So that's when I went off on this big journey of facing the hard truths of I'm not good at this now and I'm going to have to get good at it. Over the past six years, six, seven years, I put in a lot of work and I've tried my best to be one of the best at, you know, in my world, it's called MSP marketing. And I think everyone has their own niche, but to be one of the best in the world at MSP marketing. And that's been my goal for the past six or seven years. Today, we're now a team of about 50 team members distributed between our kind of US and we're 100% remote US remote team. We've got a Philippines remote team. And then we also work with a business process outsourcing center in India, where we've got a great team there among some other white label partners. So yeah, I think like most people, I, I probably couldn't imagine when I first started that I'd be where I am today. You know, that wasn't like my plan. I remember my first if you guys use traction or EOS, my first VTO, my goal was like, I want to earn a solid salary, you know, solid take-home pay, be able to um, have customers that I like and just enjoy my life. Never realized that I would be growing to such a large organization, but as I went, I enjoyed the next phase, you know, and here I am today and I'm very happy to be an agency owner. Yeah. That's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Uh, and you, from what I understand, you know a lot about working with competitors. And you told me a story a little bit earlier about someone that you worked with very early on that you know ended up from collaboration to acquisition. So talk a little bit about from whether it's tech pro marketing or Ulistic, talk a little bit about why you didn't shy away from working with competitors, why you really leaned into collaboration. Yeah, thank you. And well, for me, when I first started, I created a, when I first got into the MSP space, I created a little bit of a spreadsheet, a map of all the different pieces of the market. Well, who are the publishers? What are the events that people are going to? Who are the vendors? Who are the other marketing vendors in this space? And I created this list and my goal was to just kind of connect and learn about what was going on. I used LinkedIn to connect with 
all the people that I thought would be good people to know inside the market. And definitely some of them were other digital marketing owners. I connected with them all on LinkedIn, maybe just shot like a hello message or something like that. Most of them didn't respond to me. A lot of them didn't even accept my connection requests. I did this just to understand the market. And I was even scared kind of back then, like, is, are they going to accept me or they don't like me? You're, you told yourself some stories there, it sounds. Yeah. Well, they did. It, 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 I told myself a story and I'm glad I at then I was kind of like, no, it's not true. But the truth is, no, they didn't like me and <laughs> they, did, they didn't want to accept me. Because here's the thing is that in every space and you, so I know in your case, You've been doing this podcast for the last few years. I think I've received your first email something like five years ago. And at that time, there might have been five or six different agency coaches out there in your space. And I don't know if you've got a number that approximately there are today, but by the number of emails that I get, LinkedIn connection requests that I get, there could be five or 600 now. And I think that's something similar to happen in my space is, look, the riches are in the niches. We all want to niche down. It's a great thing, but you get a lot of imposters. You get a lot of people coming in and, you know, we talk about imposter syndrome, but you also get charlatans who just really want to come in and try to make a quick buck on the space. And I think we're all against that. So a lot of the competitors that I reached out to, they were like, great, another guy who wants to come in and try to do what I'm doing. You have no idea how hard this is, like, forget about it. So that's how I originally connected with a lot of my competitors. But what happened with me is, no, I didn't give up. You know, I knew it was a big challenge. And when I first started, I knew I'm not going to be great at this. I'm not going to be the best MSP marketer. I've got a lot of experience. I'm smart. I'm motivated. I will be the best internet marketer in, in MSPs at one point. But right now I need to understand where I'm at. But I continued, right? I talked about those publishing opportunities. I got published. I was sharing my story in an honest, humble, and straightforward way on LinkedIn, I was trying to produce good content that was helpful, realistic, and that MSPs could really take away. And that's when some of my competitors started to notice. Mm. So that's when we started building up a friendship, I think, with a lot of them. Because what happened to me is when I first started, I was like, everyone's a competitor. Everyone's a competitor. Everyone who's offering MSP marketing is a competitor. But here's the truth. There's like 30,000 MSPs across North America that are in my target market. Now that I'm you know, at scale a little bit, I can take on about six a month without breaking my systems. Back then I could take on maybe one a month. So I'm literally looking for like 0.01% of the market share. I think we can all, you know, have enough to go around for everybody. And that's what I really found out. So as I learned more about my market, about the customers that I worked really well with, actually some of the competitors who I'd made friends with, we started sharing leads, you know, and it's like, hey, I'm really great with this one to five million dollar annual revenue MSP. And you guys, I mentioned earlier, I'm like, I'm fine with corporate people. Like you're good. I like you as a person, but I don't get you. You know what I mean? I can't connect with somebody who's really like, oh, we're going to have BDRs and a sales manager and all the stuff. That's not my world. So if you were over 5 million, if you had these complex goals, that's when I could refer you to a different MSP marketing company. And if you were too small for me, that's really good. I could refer you to some of these other ones who have a lower minimum spend that that you'll work with. So it started with kind of one 
competitor really reaching out to me. And a lot of the times it was just more like, Hey, by the way, I just fired this customer. If they reach out to you run, you know, (laughs) and we had fun with it, but it turned into something where it's like, Oh, now we were collaborating a lot. And then we've went out and made an effort, especially if we scaled and we start generating a lot of leads for our web through our website and we can't handle a lot of them. We really want to put them in the right place. You know, that's the thing is like, you get a lead and they're like, I'm an MSP. I just started three months ago. I've got one customer. I really need help. Well, that we can't help you, but we actually want to be able to give you a referral to somebody who's really going to do a good job. So now we put more and more effort to reach out to all the competitors. And what we found is like, no matter how similar the competitor actually seems to us from the outside, from looking at the website, we never found a situation where it's like, oh, we can't refer you. You can't refer us. Like we all have a specific customer we want to work with and there's enough room for everybody. Yeah. Hey, let's take a quick break. Did you know that there's a better way to scale your agency? Whether it's web design, development, e-commerce, content, SEO, or even hosting, E2M is the reliable white label partner you wish you knew about years ago. Personally, I'm proud to partner with E2M because of our alignment in values and ethics. Head over to e2msolutions.com forward slash thrive to learn more. Now, let's get back to the show. What I hear underneath the ethos of like, when we say collaboration, what I actually hear as you're talking is giving, right? So whether it's referring leads or giving people a heads up as to like, Hey, I just fired this client, you run if they kind of contact you. That's like a very generative, very giving kind of way of doing business. Right. And so I like this idea when you're talking about collaborating with competitors, it's really about like, what can you give to each other? right? Because there's so much value. And I also appreciate the fact that you're like, okay, there's a million of these other like MSP marketing companies or agencies. None of us are exactly the same. That's exactly it. And then I think in the collaboration part, what you mentioned in the first part there is like, yeah, no, we've gone a lot further than that. You know, a lot of us have our own platforms. So for us, we don't have like a podcast, but we do have an internal training program where we get a good turnout. Like we have our customers, they come to our trainings and it's like a a private webinar. Our last month, uh, we had this really great guest. His name's um, Tim Fitzpatrick. He runs a company called Rialto Marketing. He focuses on MSPs, but he does like chief marketing officer work. Mm -hmm. So we had him come in and talk about how he started a podcast and how MSPs can start a podcast. So I'm giving them a little bit of an opportunity like, hey, if there's collaborative effort here, I'm going to give you my audience. We're going to do an audience share. I've guest blog posted on everybody's blog in the space. I've been on every MSP marketing podcast. When I have something new that I want to get out to the market, they'll let me on. You know, I think I've been hearing a lot of people like, oh, I don't know how to go to market. I I don't know how I, if I have like this launch idea, how do I get like referrals? How do I get strategic partners? For me, it's super easy because I know every other MSP marketer, I know what their platform is and I can say, hey, this is going to be super helpful for your audience. And they're like, yeah, that is. So knowing them really well. And then, you know, you mentioned at the beginning of, Ulistic, I'm the CEO of Tech Pro Marketing and Ulistic. And that was really the most kind of amazing thing that happened was we ended up purchasing them at the end. And that was the one guy, Stuart Crawford, the former owner of Ulistic. He was one of the guys that was really like for the first year on LinkedIn, like didn't want to respond to me. But somehow once I proved that I was committed and fully into it, we really became close friends. Mm. And I think like we're all in mastermind groups. We're all in these different things. And it's great to have digital agency peers. And it's so important. But 
kind of our bond, me and Stuart, we've got something that's like on another level where it's like, we really, we know what's going on. Like we know exactly what each other are thinking. So we started collaborating together a lot, both on sharing customers, but then we started sharing trade secrets together as well. Like, Hey, what are you doing from SEO? Like, what are you doing in this side? And we started really sharing and that opened up the door for us to have this trust that he's a little bit older than me. He's a few years, a couple decades older than me. And he's ready to retire. So what do you do in that situation when you've got a service-based business and you want to retire? Not really something that's going to be exciting for private equity, not a lot of systems in place. And that was just his style of business, but he had been doing really great financially ready to retire. The number one priority for Stuart, I think at that time was making sure that his customers can continue to get great support. You know, they're going to continue to have an amazing experience working with his company. So that put me in a position to really be like the only buyer, the only qualified buyer for, in my case, I was so lucky, the first MSP marketing company to ever exist. You know, the one with the oldest history. And I gave a talk, my first kind of in-person talk at an MSP event a few weeks ago. It was really hard to go there by myself in front of the group of strangers. I think if anyone who's got into speaking and going on the stage, like, no, it's not easy. But I did have this great thing where I had never met anyone there, but they had all met Stuart before. And they were like, oh, you bought Stuart's business? I was like, yeah, I did. Like, oh, great. So much credibility from that. Just so much like emotional support from Stuart as well. And we're still texting each other all the time. When we went down to close the deal, my brother came with me. He has a different business, but we help each other in our businesses. And his Stuart's is a family business with his wife. When my brother saw us talking, he's like, whoa, like you are the only two people in the world that can have that conversation. That was so cool to see. So yeah, if you have like this kind of competitive, like, oh, I can't be friends with you. It's like, you're literally, you're missing out on like your business soulmate because you guys, you know, view each other too much as competitors. I love that business soulmate. I'm going to steal that. And one of the other things that I know about your company is that you've also used some white label partners, which obviously is a, a very collaborative relationship as well. White label partner like E2M, for example. So talk a little bit about how those kinds of white label partnerships and how you own the process, like how that has also helped you to grow as well. Yeah, a thousand percent. So I think I mentioned at the beginning, I've had a team of about 50 right now, and then even some white label partners on top of that. E2M, you mentioned them, they're one of our best partners, our, our long-term partners. And for us, I think the key to building a team, a scalable business is that you need to number one, own the process that you're doing. Number two, having your own team in the right positions. You don't want to not have your own business at all. You need to also have your own business and then working really closely with your white label partners and not being afraid to like go and be like, this is exactly what we need. And I think the other thing about it is you need to a little bit build up to it. So I remember when I first did my first website project, when I first started on my own about like nine years ago, someone had recommended I, I work with E2M. So I think this is when they were starting up, when I was starting up and I was literally like, I can't afford them. And I didn't reach out to them. So like I missed out on probably like three years of working with them because I was too scared at that point. I was like, no, I can't afford them. I need to hire someone super low level to do this. And maybe I did at that point and maybe I really couldn't afford them at that point. But as I've scaled, they've become like the most amazing partner for us because what happens is early on, when you don't have a lot of customers, you don't have a lot of revenue, you're trying to replace your previous salary. And that's like your number one goal as an early stage agency or 
uh, freelancer. So you do have to watch everything by the dollar, by the down to the penny of everything you're looking at. So at that point, it's like sometimes I think white label partners can work really well as long as you're super clear that, hey, budget is my main focus here. And I really need to hit this budget and I need you to help me get there. But what happened to me is once I turned a certain point and I was like, okay, I'm actually, I have recurring revenue now. I have like, you know, $20,000 recurring revenue. If nothing happens in my business, I'm still going to have my salary covered. I'm still going to be able to pay everything. Let me try to put some systems in place that are going to help me scale. Let me try to work with my partners in a way where I'm not, you know, micromanaging every minute of their budget, but helping them actually do a great job in getting work done at scale. So for development, which I think is a perfect place to start, and this is where we worked really closely with E2M for a long time, is we had them handle all of our website development. And I think a great thing about them is it's not per site, it's not per hour. It's just kind of like, if this is generally what you need, this is what you can budget each month to work with us. And like, that's what we did. But I learned that I had certain needs with my websites, right? Some people for their websites, they're going to need things like, oh, I needed to load super fast. Um, I need to have like all these uh, different features for like SEO or something like that. But for me, I was like, well, for us, we're really doing marketing and we need to be able to do tests and changes and things like that really easily. So we have them build on a stack um, using Beaver Builder, Beaver Themer, Beaver Theme, Beaver Child Theme, and Gravity Forms and ultimate add-ons for Beaver Builder. So like, if anyone just wants to ask me, like, what's the ideal web, uh, web stack for marketing-based websites? I think that's awesome. So we worked on that and kind of putting together the process in place. And then somehow what they're able to do versus freelancers, or I would say smaller agencies, not going to say like every small white label agency is not good, but with them having 150, 180 people in their office, whatever they're up to right now, it allows them to just get the work done correctly on time. They QA test everything. So where I'm at the point where I'm trying to sell five or six projects a month, and that's my main deal, like I can't be like going back and having a revision request, you know what I mean? Especially not on something so cut and dry like website development. If you're, if I'm wasting time on revision requests for website development, I'm really making the wrong decision here. So for me, um, yeah, putting in the process and just getting to the point where it's like, I'm going to focus on selling and doing all the other stuff. And I need this stuff done hundred percent correct. So I think like when choosing a white label partner, obviously we're both supporters of E2M and Manish, I've met him. He's such a, an amazing man. Like a, he's taught me so much about business, about life. I'm going to go visit him this year. So I'm like a, an, oh, a super awesome. business company. It's because they just get the work done right the first time. So that's been my real key secret is like, if you're going to white label, just pay a little more. And get it done exactly right, because that will save you so much in all the other aspects of your business, what you're trying to accomplish. So that's been one major partner. Another partner that I'm using is we do a lot of, you know, because we're doing lead generation work. There's a lot of data entry work, scrubbing lists, so much list management. It's so, so much to do. And we're using a business processing outsourcing center in India as well for that. So that's not something E2M would work on. It's not part of their process, but definitely Manish is like an advisor for me on that. He's like, okay, Nate, I'm going to tell you what's going on there. So just another like thing I, I love about those guys, but we have 27 team members in our India office right now. And this has been so helpful, especially for those months where it's like, oh my gosh, we're onboarding 10 new customers. We need a ton of staff. First of all, if I tried to recruit them in the state of Rhode Island, like I don't think there's anyone out there who would even like take the job. I can recruit by myself online, but there's so much more work when you're doing even we built a big HR system. 
We've got like our payroll processes down. We've got about 20 independent hires all in the Philippines right now, but still the value of using a business processing outsourcing center. They're all in the office together. They're all helping each other and supporting each other. So I do believe that kind of like, especially as a work from home business is, it's better. I, I'm a full proponent of work from home. Like I love it. I w- would never want to go to an office. It'd be a very rare situation that I would want to do that in the future, but we have to be honest, there are some benefits about having an office. So especially for me, whenever there's a white label partner and they're like, oh no, we're all work from home. I'm like, well, I won't work with you. Like that's not the purpose of having a white label partner for me. I know some people might be interested in that. I just would be like, well, I would just hire them directly if it's going to be work from home. I want them to have the benefit of bonding with their team members, having this amazing work experience, you know, being part of something bigger that, yeah, we provide it with our remote work situation, but not to the level that it's fun. They had like this amazing karaoke party at E2M. You know what I mean? Like there's some cool things about working there that if I'm going to be doing white labeling, I'd want to work with partners like that. I think the last thing is just like, I like to kind of work with a great white label partner and really expand the relationship as much as possible. If you're just going in a little bit, again, I'm like, maybe it's something you want to bring in-house. Well, this has been such a great conversation. We started off talking about collaborating with competitors and just, I'm so amazed at the the way and the, the persistence and the way that you've really kind of leaned into creating those relationships, developing those relationships through LinkedIn, but then also just taking that to a more personal level, growing through acquisition, growing through white label relationships. It's, it's just, it's incredible. So congratulations on all your success, Nate. This has been a great conversation. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, the way with you phrase it, this was a fun conversation. It really did start like just freelancer like everybody else. But then I think those two things of working with competitors, working with white label really did allow me to grow to it's like I'm looking back at it. I'm like, oh my gosh, wow, I have like a legit business. I'm used to it now after a couple of years, but it feels good. It's fun. So thank you for the chance to reflect on that. Thank you. And thank you for joining us. If you liked this episode, please rate the show or subscribe wherever you watch or listen. And a big thank you to the official sponsor of Thrive for this year, E2M Solutions, your white label agency partner. Learn more about their approach, services, and subscription plans at e2msolutions.com forward slash thrive.